Well, good morning. It is good to be together. It's good to be back with you. I want to invite us to explore today and probably for the next weeks, maybe months, a year, to explore what I am calling the backstory. And I think we can all relate. Imagine that you have just met somebody. And I don't mean romantically or anything like that. I just mean you just met somebody. And it kind of starts, you get to know their name, right? You, you learn about what they do. You learn what they enjoy. Maybe you learn, learn something about how they spend their time. And, and that's all really good. And yet as time goes on, as time progresses, maybe this person begins to open up and share, and maybe they share, maybe it's, it's a painful experience. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's a, a significant loss. Maybe, maybe it's this overwhelming joy, whatever it is, their joys, their sorrows, maybe even more than that, maybe, maybe it's the hardships that, that have been overcome through, through generations of, that brings them to this place that, of who they are today. In a word, it's the backstory. And I say this in part, noting that as followers of Jesus, we often spend our time focusing, rightly so, on Jesus, right? His life, his teachings, his death, his burial, his resurrection, right? The whole of Jesus' life, that is where our focus is. Everything that he said, everything that he did, but with that, we have what is called this thing, we call it the Old Testament, right? We, we have this, this sort of panorama of experience. What I would suggest is the backstory to the life of Jesus. The Old Testament, the, the Torah being the backstory to the life of Jesus. And so for the next few months, maybe a year, certainly the next few weeks, and certainly today, I want us to go on a journey back to the Old Testament. I want to go to the backstory. What is the Torah? And by Torah, I refer to the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, right? Jesus himself being, as scripture tells us, the culmination of the Torah, right? That Jesus is the culmination of the whole of the Old Testament, really, the whole of the law. And so with that, for today, I want us to go back to the beginning, to what in Judaism is known as Parsha Bereshit. Parsha Bereshit. Parsha means portion, can mean section. It refers to a passage of scripture. We often look at a particular passage of, of scripture. In the weeks ahead, I want us to look at a number of these, what are Parshiot, there are 54, the, the Torah, those first five books of the Bible, are actually divided into 54 parshiot, what are 54 sections, passages, that within the synagogue, within Judaism, they are read on a weekly basis all throughout the year. Noting that, again, that first section, right, the first parsha, is Bereshit. It's the Hebrew word, it's at the beginning of our Bible, Genesis 1 and 1, that translates as in the, in the beginning. This particular Parsha actually runs from Genesis 1, 1, all the way through Genesis 6, 8. Uh, now, we're not going to cover all that ground today. 
And my intent is not to get through every last detail of every Parsha. But for today, I want to dive into a couple of verses, a section of this Parsha that I think has significance for us, that has meaning for us, that matters to us, both here and in our relationships out there. Noting that in this Parsha Bereshit, we find here the story of creation, not just once, but twice. Right, in Genesis 1, we have a story of creation. And then again, in Genesis 2, we read what is we can think of as maybe a, a reframing of, of the, the creation story. Noting that within Judaic thought, there is this, this progression, this expanding understanding of what it means to be, to be human. Noting that it also moves us, Genesis 1 to Genesis 2, we go from the more simple to the more profound, what in, in Judaic thought is mohin, and it's got a guttural sound there, but mohin de katnut, and moving us to mohin de gadlut. And so it's moving from the simple to the profound. Now to parse this out for just a bit, and stay with me, it's a bit heavy, but I think it matters. The first creation story, Genesis 1, right? God is creating, and we read it's about light, and it's about the sky, right? It's about water, and it's about plants, and and trees, and it's the sun and the moon, it's the birds, the fish. We read all, all about the, the, the livestock, these animals. And then if we pick it up in verse 26, we read, Then God said, let us, interesting language, let us make mankind, think humankind, you and me, it says, in our image, in our likeness. So straight off here, we notice that there is the plural, right? It speaks of what is relational. Verse 27, so God created mankind, humankind, in his own image. Again, what is relational? The point being here that, that we are always in relationship. We could say that you are never not in relationship, right? We are never not in relationship, meaning that this, this, this simple sort of truth Right, Mohin de Katnut, right? The simple truth is that, is that at the core of our humanity is relationship. From the very beginning, God says, right, that the, at the core of our humanity, of our being created, is relationship. And that includes right here and right now, in this space here together. Now, with that, and bear with me here just for a moment. Beginning is from the word reshit. The B, when you say bereshit, the B, bait, actually acts as a, as a prefix. It gives us the translation of in, as in in the beginning. In, that, that bait, has a sense of, holds to it, the idea of abiding with or abiding in. We can think of Jesus himself, John 15 and 4, abide, right? Reside, remain, he says, in me, and I also, as I also abide in you. Right, and so again, we have this deep sense of relationship, that we are always in relationship, we are never not in relationship, it all matters. You matter. We matter together. 
And it's there in the beginning that we find this sense of, of relationship. But it doesn't stop there. He goes on, moving us, expanding us, moving us toward Mohin de Gadlut, right? This expanded understanding. Picking it up in Genesis 2 and 5, we read there, Now, no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground, but streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Verse 7, And the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. The man became a living being. And then I want to drop down to verse 18. We read, The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make, it says in Hebrew, I will make Hazar Kenegno for him. 21, so the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs, closed up the place with the flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man. And he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. And this is kind of where I want to then land for today. Noting in some, if not most, translations, we would read there, I will make a helper suitable for him. Again, Azer Konegdo. Which moves us then into the area of language and linguistics, which scholars are always arguing and debating. But it's interesting to note that Azer, at the very root of that word, is power and strength. Azer Knegno. Azer has a sense of power and strength. Rector, professor, linguistic scholar David Friedman, he notes this. He says, evidence indicates the word Azer originally had two roots, each beginning with different guttural sounds. The one meant power and the other strength, which hopefully challenges us a little bit, moving us to maybe even a little bit of an expanded under. Standing, as this one person writes, focus on the woman as man's helper has led to practices that communicate that women are second-class citizens. And I think in many respects that's been true. Not just in society, but even in the church. And yet, however we translate Azer, it is not meant to subjugate or demean it is not meant to diminish or disregard. Right? It speaks of one who, is, who has power and one, one who is, is strong. With that, the word suitable comes from negad, negad, which has its own sort of interpretive struggles. The word suitable here, oftentimes it gives that impression of that, that, that a woman's purpose is solely for the interest of the man. And now, in a mutual sort of relationship, that would be true. Paul even speaks of mutual submission, husbands and wives. Mutual submission. And yet, Negad also translates that and carries the sense of being in the presence of. It can mean in front of, but not just in a physical sense. And so we can think of this as this, this deep idea of connection, of connecting with another. That can be translated as, as counterpart. We could translate it as colleague or as a partner. And with that, then, it even carries the idea of equality. In fact, if we 
Look further down, the man's response, verse 23. It says, the man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That statement, bone of my bones, is actually a Jewish idiom. And it carries the same two ideas that we just heard about. It carries that sense of, of, of deep connection, bone of my bones. There's this deep connection. It also speaks of equality. And so when the man responds, this is bone of my bones, he's speaking to a deep, deep connection, and he's speaking to a level of, e of equality. And I would say not only in substance, but in value, right? A valuing, right? That every, every person matters. Every person is valued, every person of worth. We could read this, I, I will make, Azer Kenegdo, I will, I will make a powerful partner. I will make one of strength with you, connected, equal, value, and worth. Now, I don't know where this hits you today. You know, we each come in with different ideas and thoughts, understandings. So I don't know exactly where this, what it stirs up maybe in your heart and mind, beginning with the simplicity, right, that we find in Genesis 1, right, Mohin de Katnut, right, that simple reality that we are in relationship and we are never not in relationship. And as we go about our days, this, this kind of idea around Western culture, right, this sort of individualism, God says we were created in relationship. We were made for relationship. Not just husband and wife, but as people. We were created for relationship. We need one another. We need one another. I, I recognize that when I'm gone for just two weeks. I mean, I enjoyed being away with the family, but coming back, it matters. But not only... That, Genesis 2, reminds us, right? Mohinde Kadlut, right? That expanded awareness, right? It reminds us that it's not just, it's not just relate, but it's deep connection. And within that deep connection, there's a mutual value. A valuing of one another, a value and a, and a worth. And I think we can see that because we all know that we can be you can be in the same room, and yet at the same time, be completely disconnected. Right? You can be in the same room as somebody else and be completely disconnected from them. In effect, you can, you can completely disregard that other person. And so I don't know where this, this maybe hits you today, but when I look at the life of Jesus, Right? As, as, as I consider this backstory of Jesus, and then I think of Jesus and his life and his teachings and his activity, right? and I, I'm reminded of his relationship with Mary and Martha. I think of his relationship with Canaanite woman. No crumbs from the table. I think of his relationship with the woman from Samaria. I think of, of his relation, the, the, the poor widow. I think of his relationship with the, with the woman that was caught in adultery. Do we 
not just live in relationship, but do we, do we connect deeply with one another? Do you connect deeply with others? We could ask, do we demonstrate a valuing of the other person? You can kind of do inventory, right? To think about those that you're in relationship with, those that, that you are connecting with. As author and scholar Rabbi Rami Shapiro, he describes it, he says, these two creation stories reflect two different qualities of mind. Mohin de Kadnut, a dualistic worldview pitting us against them, and Mohin de Kadlut, a caretaking worldview of all of us together, where each life is seen as a unique and precious manifestation of God. What would, what would it look like for us to be caretakers together? To be caretakers of one another? What would, what would that look like? What would it look like for me to embrace that kind of mindset, all of us together? What would it look like for me to embrace all of us together? And then with that, maybe we could ask, how might I connect with, how might I connect with and value another's uniqueness? How might I connect with and value another's uniqueness? And how might I truly see the other as a precious gift of God? In the beginning, Bereshit, right? The Jesus backstory. There's relationship, there's connection, and there's value. We read, God created humankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. I will make Hazer Konegdo, a powerful and strong one with all of us together in relationship, connected, equal value, and worth.